Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Hey guys, I'm Rachel Benetta. And I'm Rechna Fruchtbaum. And this is Hall of Shame. Okay, Rechna, I have a story for you today. Before you get into your story, I just want to tell you something that was quite traumatic that happened to me last night. Okay. So Zoom is like the hot new thing, right? We're Zooming right now while we record this podcast. People are doing these like Zoom bombs. I don't know if you've seen them before, but basically... They're horrifying. They're absolutely terrifying. I got invited to a Zoom bomb or whatever the hell they're called last night. And I was in there. There was a bunch of NBA players. There was a bunch oh. of like old football players. Oh, it was very Rachel. cool. I was Abby Wambach showed up. I was what? like, this is dope. But then I got like uncomfortable because it like got silent because everyone's just like inviting people on their phones. And I was just like, I got to go walk my dog. It was a lie, but I had to go. Then this morning I'm texting with my friend who invited me on this chat. And I was just like, who is the craziest person that showed up? She said, Vince Carter. No, you missed Vince Carter? Your guy. Rashna, I was 15 for every single athletic career that I had in my life because I loved Vince Carter more uh, than anybody in the entire world. I know this, but my heart is hurting for you. If I was on a Zoom and VC showed up, I would have screamed and embarrassed everybody. Like maybe it's uh, for the best that I wasn't there. But word to the wise, if you get invited to a zoom party just stay because your number one sports idol could show up i want to say that my heart is hurting for you because i know <laughs> how much he means to you and i have my version of those players i also want to say when you said zoom bomb i thought you meant like those people who are like hacking into zooms and that's why i said it no. was terrifying Ugh. so anyways if i'm a little quiet today it's because i'm depressed that i miss vince uh, carter well let me take your mind off of that rachel okay Do you have a favorite conspiracy theory? Oh, uh, yes. I don't necessarily believe in it, but I just find it hilarious that people do, that the earth is flat. Kyrie (laughs) Irving is a a flat earther. I love that. That might be my favorite conspiracy theory just because it's just so not right. Like it's so (laughs) wild. Like it's so been proven. (laughs) It just seems like such a wild thing to, you know, go and talk to media about and just be so passionate about when literally (laughs) everyone is like, but no, it's not. There's literally pictures from outer space. (laughs) I, I think I'm with you that like my favorite conspiracy theories are either ones that are so insane that I'm kind of yeah. like, I, there's something I appreciate about how much people believe in them, given that they're clearly not true. Or, I mean, I would love to sit down and just chat with Kyrie Irving. Just forget about the basketball, forget about his career. Just about why he is so passionate and why he is not like let up. Is he going to be Earth our first flat. guest on this show? I would love Kyrie. That would be amazing. If you are listening to this, I know I've talked trash about you in the past, but let's put those things behind us and let's move forward. Well, let me tell you, my favorite kind of conspiracy theories are the one we're talking about with Kyrie, where it's just like the most insane thing or ones that like are just like the for sure true 
At least they seem for sure true to me. And so today, okay. I'm not going to be telling you about a scandal, but <gasps> like a first cousin of a scandal, a conspiracy theory. <laughs> I was waiting until we got to our first conspiracy theory because there are a plenty in the world of sports. Well, we're in quarantine, bitch, and there are no rules. So it's a great time to start. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> so I want to tell you about my most favorite conspiracy theory of all time that I totally believe but I'm also required to remind you was never substantiated, which I'm going to have to say a few times today. It <laughs> happened. Yes, exactly. It happened in the National Basketball Association or NBA and specifically around the New York Knickerbockers or as we know them, the Knicks. Okay. Okay. Buckle up. So <laughs> you say that at the <laughs> beginning of every I, single episode with the it? same amount of enthusiasm. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> I love picturing you like, you know, going up that roller coaster hill, <laughs> ready to go down. Okay. Buckled in. <laughs> okay. So in different times, we'd be smack dab in the meat of the NBA season. Mm-hmm. We'd be headed towards the playoffs and every game would be like super meaningful and have huge implications. And like, we're missing it. So it feels like a really good time to go down this basketball rabbit hole. Might help mm-hmm. fill a little bit of a void. So I'm going to take you down a journey into history. Okay. So the Knicks are one of the original NBA franchises dating all the way back to 1946 when the league that then was known as the BAA or Basketball Association of America was founded. And it is like an incredible history. Just some highlights. The Knicks literally won the league's first official game ever. So wow. In 1947, they became the first professional basketball team to sign a non-white player, Japanese-American Wataru Masaka. Okay, Knicks. I know. And in 1950, they made history by signing the first professional black player, Sweetwater Clifton. I mean, just a truly great nickname. Just the best name ever. Sweetwater. The runner of our podcast is that we just get to talk about people with the coolest names and the coolest (laughs) names. Yes. Okay. So back to the Knicks and their storied history. So they went to the playoffs nine straight seasons between 1967 and 1975. They were so good. They won the NBA championship twice in that time in 1970 and 1973, led by all-time greats like Walt Frazier and Willis Reed. So good. The Knicks are literally home to six of the 50 greatest players in NBA history. I mean, this is a classic NBA franchise. Which is crazy because they've, I mean, in the era that we're living in, they've just sucked for so long. Oh, girl, well, (laughs) we're getting there. (laughs) So after that almost decade-long playoff run in the 60s and 70s, the team then struggled. They only made the playoffs twice between 1976 and 1982. So like a lot of struggling teams, they really needed the draft to get back on track. So just, you know, for those of us who don't know everything about everything about sports, the NBA draft is a once a year opportunity for teams to choose new eligible players to add to their team. Mm -hmm. So a way to get good players onto your roster. And at that time in the early 80s, even more than today, the draft was the most important way to turn a losing team into a winning one. 
Back then, huge blockbuster trades were like less of a thing. Most star players stayed with one team for their entire careers. So like landing a franchise changing player outside of the draft was like relatively unlikely. Mm-hmm. And the talent pool was just generally more limited. Unlike now where there are like a bunch of international players or guys leaving college early or even coming straight out of high school. And, you know, today there's just a larger base of elite players overall. So the point being the draft was kind of like if you were struggling as a franchise, it was the way to get your team good again. Right. Anyway, up until 1984, the draft was conducted such that the worst team from the previous year was awarded the first draft pick, the second to worst, the second pick, and so on. So theoretically, over the course of time, all teams could have a chance to be good. But there was some controversy around that process because people said it incentivized teams to tank down the stretch because they'd like be like, well, we're like third to worst. But if we tank and get the worst record, we'll get the best player. So Which still exists a lot. Absolutely. Like, I mean, in football and Correct. NBA all over the place. Totally. It, it still exists. But like back then with that system, it was particularly like blatant. Mm-hmm. Donald Sterling Owner of the Clippers, uh, remember him with his racist rant as his, at his mistress, V. Stiviano. Mm-hmm. He was given a lifetime ban from the league for that, but more on that later. Anyway, he literally said at the time, we can win by losing. People were just blatantly like, this is the way we get good. Yeah. Okay. So also in 1984, David Stern, a lawyer and businessman, was named commissioner of the NBA. He was tasked with growing the league so it would be viewed on par with Major League Baseball and the National Football League. And he saw an opportunity with this draft controversy to both address it and also gain publicity for the league. So in place of the traditional draft, he put in place an NBA draft lottery, which he decided to air on TV and has since become this like big event, which, you know, right before this, the draft was typically done over the phone. And if two teams were tied for the verse record, they would decide it by coin flip. They were just like, ring, ring. Hi. (laughs) Hey, Rachel. I mean, I would also watch that. They should have televised that. (laughs) Just like a, it should be like the Brady Bunch squares (laughs) and everybody's on the phone. What you're describing now is going to be the NFL draft in a couple of days. Yeah. Oh my God. It's going to be over the phone. You know what? What's old becomes new. (laughs) Anyway. So this new lottery that David Stern was putting in place was much more exciting. This is how it works. The names of NBA teams who did not make the playoffs would be put into envelopes. The envelopes would then be placed in a big circular tumbler. Then one envelope would be randomly selected. The team whose name was inside the envelope would get the first pick. And this process would be repeated until the rest of the lottery picks were determined. Uh, Why would they use envelopes? That Girl. seems like, you know, they're going to get caught. It just doesn't it's, seem like something that would roll dramatic. easily. <laughs> I mean, what is this? The Oscars? You know what I mean? One gets stuck. It's so silly. Okay. So in this system, though, every non-playoff team had an equal chance to obtain the first pick. So there was like not as such a big incentive to tank to get like the worst record. So right. in theory, this began to solve the issue of tanking. Not fully, obviously, as we know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, going into that 1985 draft, the majority of the league's premier teams in their biggest markets, i.e. their biggest moneymakers, the Celtics in Boston, the Lakers in Los Angeles, the 76ers in Philly, the Bulls in Chicago, they're all looking strong. That is except for the New York freaking Knicks. And that's rough because New York is the league's number one market. The point being, it's good for the league when New York is good. Ooh, I think I can see where this (laughs) is going. It's going to get 
so exciting. Aren't you glad you have your seatbelt on now? Aren't you glad I told you to buckle up? (laughs) So the previous season, the Knicks went an atrocious 25 and 58 and had the third worst record in the league. So according to the previous draft rules, that would have given them the third overall pick in the draft and the Golden State Warriors, who had the worst record, the first. But with this new draft lottery by new NBA commissioner David Stern, whom I should know is a native of New York, they had a (gasps) shot at being first. The plot thickens here. Oh, girl, it's just getting juicy. But before we get to it, let's take a short break. Shame is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers is on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet with clean remedies that actually work. Brechna, their flagship product. Love that. Propolis Throat Spray is your daily defense when it comes to supporting your immune health and soothing sore and scratchy throats. Never heard of Propolis before? Well, it is a powerful antioxidant-rich bee product with medicinal use dating back to 300 BC. So I use the throat spray because my seasonal allergies are off the chain Mm -hmm. and it helped so much right away. Propolis throat spray is sustainably sourced and contains just three simple ingredients with no refined sugars, dyes, or hard to pronounce chemicals inside. By the way, it's not honey. Reshna, people think it's honey. It's not honey. Right. Propolis is made and used by bees to defend their hive from germs. It is the hive's immune system. And I feel like we can all use, we can all use a nice little boost to the immune system right now. Agreed. Especially one without weird chemicals. Yeah, that you can't pronounce. Sounds great. Beelixer is powered by science-backed adaptogens that help you get in the zone while supporting brain health and memory. Love it. We all need all of those things. We need everything that we can get right now. One thing that I really like is the Beelixer brain fuel. Listen, you and I both love to feel smart, right? And if this is just like a little elixir that we can take in the morning... A little boost. A little boost to our systems. I will say I took it a couple of times. I'm actually all out. Yeah, I, I took all the ones. Yeah, I took them all. <laughs> and every single time I, I took the Beelixir, I felt sharp. I didn't feel like over caffeinated or like jittery like coffee makes me feel. I felt really like focused and into it. Yeah. We could all use more daily defense right now, and Propolis Throat Spray is a game changer. It is time to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade with Beekeepers Naturals. To save 15% on your first order, go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash shame. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash shame, S-H-A-M-E, to get 15% off. Meet your new medicine cabinet with Beekeepers Naturals. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Policy Genius. There are things we look back on and think, how did I get that so wrong? I literally do that every day. All the time. Every day. Yeah, daily. It might be wearing multiple polo shorts and popping all the collars. Did you do that? I did that. I didn't do that. I bet here's one you did, dating that one person that one time. Bet you did that, girl. Okay, we don't need to talk about (laughs) it on here, all right? All right, well, we're always going to get things wrong, Rachel. That's just life. But there are also things we can get right on the first try, like shopping for home insurance. That's where Policy Genius comes in. First, head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Policy Genius will compare your policy against other options from top insurers to make sure you're getting the right home insurance coverage at the best possible price. We all need that. If Policy Genius finds you a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll do all the work to get you switched. Ooh. I know. I love the sound of someone else doing all Thank the work. Thank you so much, Policy Genius. We are lazy <laughs> as hell. <laughs> 
In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. We all get things wrong from time to time. At least we can get home insurance right with Policy Genius. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV but hate the size of your cable bill? Philo is your solution. It offers more than 50 channels of TV live and on demand for just $20 a month. I am just nonstop watching HGTV nowadays. Uh, sure. Russia, what you? I feel like it's amazing. Yeah. You can see other people's homes, which we don't get to do right now at all. <laughs> Except on Zoom. It's my way of visiting neighbors, you know, is just watching HGTV and going into other people's homes. I love it. I've been watching Nora from Queens on Comedy Central. Very funny. Aquafina's so funny. I've heard good things about that. Yeah. Uh, Some of the networks that you guys can get, MTV, VH1, BET, Comedy Central, like Reshna just said with philo you save hundreds a month on tv it's the most affordable way to watch at a time when everyone could use some entertainment in their life fresh i'm gonna be honest with you about five minutes ago i was just sitting outside and staring at trees mm. i'm having a tough day <laughs> it's listen it's thursday you're like almost there to the weekend as if we're differentiating no. but <laughs> Philo was created by a bunch of passionate TV fans that wanted to make a better way to watch. There are no contracts. It's cord-free, commitment-free, hassle-free, and provides unparalleled customer service. That sounds so easy-peasy. One of the better features is its unlimited DVR, which allows you to save all of your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. It also allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams so everyone in the house can have their own safe shows and up to three simultaneous streams. That's kind of handy for you, right, Reshna? Because you're tired of watching Peppa Pig all the time? That's it. I mean, you know, I love it. Daddy Pig's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's nice to have my own separate channel. I've actually never never stuff. watched. Should I, should I give it a little preview? I mean, listen, it can't hurt. <laughs> you never know what you're going to find compelling. You're like, don't this do it. Time. Save yourself. It's not that bad, Rachel. <laughs> I, I just I want to be on Peppa Pig's good side, you know, because my daughter loves it so oh, much. Okay. So. Never fight over who gets to pick what to watch. Philo is easy to use, super easy to sign up, and you can watch by phone, laptop, tablet, or TV with Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, or Android TV. Philo is TV for everyone. Sign up today at philo.tv slash shame, and you will get 25% off your first two months. That's philo.tv slash shame. Emmy award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Okay, so we're back, just picking up at the first ever NBA draft lottery being televised, instituted by new commissioner and New York native David Stern. It's Mother's Day, 1985. You can't cheat on Mother's Day. Of all days of the year, (laughs) if you're planning on doing something sketchy, don't do it on Mother's Day. Save it for a day where you don't have to look your mom in the face. (laughs) <laughs> but here we are, Mother's Day 1985 at the Waldorf Astoria in Manhattan, ooh la la. 
Ooh la la. I've had a I've had a Manhattan in there before. Oh damn. It was disgusting. <laughs> I hate Manhattans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this first NBA draft lottery is being televised, and it was especially exciting that year because that year's draft had a big prize at number one. Mr. Patrick Ewing, a seven-foot superstar center from Georgetown who is hands down the best player coming into the league that year. And this phrase is overused, but he was considered to be a true game changer. His size, his athleticism, his instinct for the game guaranteed he'd make an immediate impact on whatever team he landed with. So we're in the Waldorf Astoria. Maybe someone is having a Manhattan. The room is a buzz. I mean, it's packed. There are NBA executives, sports reporters, the top draft prospects, including Ewing, and the seven team owners whose teams were participating in the lottery, sitting at a table at the front of the room. On the wall, a row of seven numbers representing the top seven picks in the 1985 draft, and in the middle of the room, a big clear tumbler. Ooh. It's an event. And there's this like whole dramatic thing where David Stern, to make a show of impartiality, introduces Jack Wagner, not the actor from like General Hospital. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't have put two and two together. <laughs> not that you were thinking that. A partner at accounting firm Ernst & Winnie, now Ernst & Young, same as like the Emmys and the Golden Globes. Because, you know, like the Golden Globes are really unbiased. I, I feel like you're kind of setting the scene for like a 007 movie. Like I'm picturing this oh. like grand hotel, the envelopes, a tumbler. Like it just seems. I love it. Casino Royale. I'm going to be honest that I <laughs> was going for Ocean's Eleven or I guess Ocean's Eight because we're ladies. But same thing. So I thought of it. that second. You know what? Okay. I thought we are of that really second. connected even far away in quarantine. We are. <laughs> All right. So we're told that our boy Jack Wagner will put the envelopes into the tumbler drum before Stern selects. So Jack approaches the tumbler and one by one gingerly puts the envelopes in. But one envelope, he kind of changes up his style and it like awkwardly hits the side of the tumbler. Kind of oh. weird. Then he finishes putting the rest of the envelopes in normally and closes the tumbler. Okay. So then David Stern announces that Jack Joyce, the unbiased third party, no personal interest in the winner, head of NBA security, will spin the tumbler to further mix the envelopes. It's like, we get it, David Stern. This draft lottery is totally above board. You're making your point. We gotcha. Okay. Wow. Almost going overboard at Correct. this point, some would say. You get me. So Jack spins the tumbler about six times. The room is like dead quiet. There's a lot of futures at stake here, so people are tense. My breath just picked up, to be honest. I'm like, <laughs> what now? What now? So David Stern approaches to choose the winning envelope. The only sound disturbing the silence is like the sound of the tumbler. He proceeds to open the drum, but instead of just like randomly grabbing one like a normal person like you do if you're just like putting your hand in something and grabbing one, he very deliberately flips over three different envelopes before making his selection. Oh Almost like he was looking for a specific one, Rachel. Ah. And then with total confidence, he grabs the winning envelope, holds it up, and announced that whichever team's logo the is The team whose logo is in this envelope will have, the first, will have pick the first pick in the NBA draft. In the NBA draft. It's very wow. dramatic. But rather than open it right there, he puts it under the large number one sign on the wall. Got to hand it to him. This guy knows what's going to get people hooked and just like watching the whole event, right? Okay, then in reverse order, he starts with the sixth pick, the fifth pick, the fourth pick, and so on. And as we're going through the picks, the Knicks continue to be in the running. 
So Stern finally gets the second pick, and the only eligible teams left are the Indiana Pacers and the New York Knicks. It's a drama. We live for this, Rachel. That's why we do this podcast. Yes. Thrilling. So the tension is high. The camera, like, cuts away from Stern into a split screen of the Pacers and Knicks owners. It's like two dudes waiting to figure out, who's the dad? Whose baby is this? (laughs) It's like big ass stakes. Jerry. Jerry. (laughs) Totally. So... Whichever team is not called will get the first pick. Because remember, the envelope for the first pick is just waiting there on the wall, okay? So, there's a long, deafening pause before Stern finally announces second, second pick, pick will go in the to... The 1985 NBA draft goes to the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers. Oh. This means the first pick goes to the New York Knicks. The crowd goes bananas. The Knicks will get Patrick Ewing, a franchise-altering player, and as the CBS Sports announcer explained, and just like that, Rachel, the Knicks go from one of the worst teams in the league to drafting a superstar. I mean, Ewing was guaranteed to majorly up this team's game and its value and up its value. He did. After the announcement, like in the next two hours, Madison Square Garden's ticket office, that's where the Knicks play, received more than a thousand calls requesting tickets for the new season. Wow. That's that's, was back, that's baby. an amazing little tidbit. Oh, Very my thrilling. goodness. Okay. So here's my question. Was this almost too good to be true for our NBA commissioner and New York native David Stern? Absolutely, yes. A lot of people certainly think so, me and you included, maybe. The conspiracy theories started swirling. Let's break this down. I mean, there's no question that David Stern had both business and personal incentives to want this draft to go in the Knicks' favor. But, like, did he actually rig it? And if he did, how? All right. So there are a few theories about it. I'm obligated to remind you again that these are conspiracies, not facts. Yeah, 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 yeah. We won't get sued. You already said it. Tell me. (laughs) The most widely known one is the frozen envelope theory. People say David Stern purposely froze the envelope containing the Knicks logo beforehand so that when he went in to reach for the winner, he would just feel around for the cold one and pull that one out. Okay. Like, remember when I said Stern felt around like a total weirdo touching a bunch of envelopes before choosing the winner? I mean, okay. It's not like implausible. Right. But, you say, they had the impartial Jack Wagner from Ernst & Winnie ensuring an unbiased process. Surely Jack would say something if he had felt one of the envelopes be cold. Well, turns out Ernst & Winnie were the accounting firm for Gulf and Western Industries, who was a majority owner of the Knicks in 1985. And Gulf and Western held an 81% stake in the Madison Square Garden Company. Oh, well, there we go. Must we go on? Is this a conspiracy theory? There's more. Another popular theory is that Wagner and Stern hatched a plan together to purposefully bend the side of the envelope to distinguish it from the others when Stern went to reach in. Okay. Just in case, like, the envelope had already warmed up from its freezing. I also have thoughts. Okay. Remember when I told you Wagner weirdly changed up his envelope method and hit just one of the envelopes on the side of the tumbler, but not the others? Super suspect. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're not in Ocean's 8 slash Ocean's 11 slash Mission Impossible now... I mean, I love it. This is, I have so many thoughts. Tell me when I can go because I'm just literally jotting things down. Okay. All right. Here's one last theory. Probably the most far-fetched but low-key my favorite theory is that Stern was wearing a special kind of infrared-type glasses. I'm dead. That the envelope containing the Knicks logo had secret writing on it that only Stern could see. (laughs) 
Now it's turned into like national treasure, Nick Cage. Also, like it's would be so hilarious if the CIA is like, okay, make those infrared glasses, but make them look all nerdy like the ones that David Stern wears. Like it's not like they were cool. Do not make them look cool. Yeah. Don't shine any light on the fact that these might not be David Stern's actual glasses. (laughs) Okay. So here's my, here are my thoughts on this. I feel like anything that's frozen is going to be wet. Is it not? So I feel like not if it was wet, frozen. How would they just freeze paper? Can you even do that? Like if you put paper in the freezer, it will get cold. Okay, you know I'm testing this out this afternoon. Do not test it. Second off, (laughs) what? No, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Why can't I test this? (laughs) Because I need it to be true. okay go on i am literally i have an envelope i'm putting it in the freezer right after this i love this second off you mentioned that the room was like pin drop silent and all you could hear was this tumbler if there was something frozen inside of it you would have been able to hear it like jumping around sure but that's why they had the backup plan of making sure jack wagner bent the envelope and when you look at the video rachel it's very clear david stern takes the envelope that was bent listen i'm gonna say I'm this all in yeah what i do know because again this was never proven <laughs> any of the theories that i talked about but i do know that money talks and the fact that the other teams in the tumbler all played in smaller markets and thus were less financially valuable to the nba and the knicks just to repeat the league's biggest market hadn't been good in a long time and then there's all that funny business at the draft lottery which was televised so we have evidence on tape i mean if you watch the video it's just it's real hard to argue this wasn't rigged though again i'm legally obligated to tell you it was never proven to be true yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so hold on i think the most telling sign that this envelope was frozen this whole thing was rigged is that he pulled the number 1 pick first Yeah, that just seems like a very odd thing to do, because in their minds, they're probably like, by the time we get to them, it's not going to be frozen anymore. We're not going to be able to tell. That's right. And like these infrared glasses have like a five minute window. (laughs) 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 Um, It's an interesting theory. So let's break it down. What happened? Okay, so this is not the only NBA conspiracy theory David Stern's been linked to. I should know he just passed away in January and his passing has prompted people to explore what is like sort of a complicated legacy with the NBA. So just quick aside about David Stern. On one hand, he's very deservedly credited for making the league the giant powerhouse it's become. Both player salaries and individual team values rose exponentially over his tenure. He oversaw the huge growth and popularity of the NBA internationally, which other leagues, including the NFL, NHL, and Major League Baseball, have not been able to replicate to the degree the NBA has, which is awesome. Right. But he also was the commissioner when some very controversial choices were made to achieve those things. He's the guy who instituted players wearing business casual attire when participating in NBA-related events, banning, quote, headgear of any kind and, quote, chains, pendants, or medallions worn over the player's clothing. And, like, that seemed like a direct attack on the culture of black players. Kind of like saying you want to be marketable, whiten up. Not great. Yeah. He also doled out harsh punishments for players like Craig Hodges and Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who were outspoken about racism in the NBA, while simultaneously ignoring former L.A. Clippers owner Donald Sterling's racist lawsuits, comments, and behavior. Sterling was kicked out of the league later for his racism, essentially, but that was by Stern's successor, Adam Silver. 
But also to contextualize, because I'm trying to paint things in a fair light. This was a different time. This was not the NBA of politically outspoken activist players and coaches that we have today. Our collective and societal bar was unfortunately different back then. So, you know, as with so many of the people we talk about on here, David Stern, muy complicated. As we all are. And that's what makes this so interesting. Yeah, but we're like not racist, so. (laughs) Yeah, fair. But without a doubt, you can give him credit, like you said, for making the NBA one of the biggest global leagues. And like, even if he did rig this Knicks thing, you could argue like maybe that was good for everyone. He super raised the popularity of the NBA in the U.S. And you can also question at what cost, David Stern, using what methods? (gasps) Frozen envelopes, sir? (laughs) (laughs) I will say I love controversies when it's not hurting anybody i feel like it almost makes the leagues better like spygate deflate gate sure. frozen envelope gate i feel like that makes the nfl the nba more entertaining and that's what this is at the end of the day it's entertainment so why not have this fun backstory like i bet as this stuff unfolded and as all of this like juicy goss came out everyone was probably like fuck the knicks we're gonna go and kick the shit out of them patrick ewing or not and then the (laughs) games elevate you know what i mean totally and you get like more people on board more people invested no i'm with you so let's talk about this frozen envelope speaking of Mm -hmm. and how it worked out well those patrick ewing knicks teams were great they were not wrong he was a franchise changer you had the anchor of ewing supported by super fun players like john starks and charles oakley it was like such a great new york kind of team i remember watching them they were so much fun and of course they had like nick's super fan spike lee courtside remember that he's like new york's version of jack nicholson who was a staple for the lakers (laughs) i mean It was such a fun team, but this team, as fun and good as it was, also played in the time of Michael Jordan, Reggie Miller, and Hakeem Olajuwon. Hard to compete. Hard. And despite making the playoffs every single year between 1988 and 2000, which is really hard, and often losing in close and dramatic fashion, there's like most famously John Stark's two for 18 performance in the 1994 NBA Finals against the Rockets. It was like so rough. These Knicks... They never won a championship. That's right, girl. Since 1973, the Knicks have yet to win another NBA championship. And they have made the finals just five times in 61 years. Some people call it the Ewing curse. To your theory about it only makes it all more exciting and entertaining. I'm a little like, okay, New York, you've had a lot of teams win a lot of things. Like being from Cleveland, there's only so much empathy, but I get it. As for Ewing himself, he never really acknowledged the conspiracy theories, but... Just last year, Ewing was selected to represent the Knicks at the 2019 NBA draft lottery, which, by the way, is no longer envelopes, but balls. So they figure that out. (laughs) Listen, I can find a ping pong ball. I'm going to freeze both an envelope and a ping pong ball, and we will see what happens. We'll have a follow up. Yeah. So at the 2019 NBA draft lottery, where Ewing was representing the Knicks, seemingly for the first time, he addressed it all. Here's some footage. The Knicks haven't been there the past couple of years. How cool do you think that could be? Well, you know, uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure which envelope is going to be the, the, the cold envelope like everyone always tell me. But I, all I can do is just wish them all the best. I mean, Patrick Ewing gets it. <laughs> Love that guy. That's amazing. For the record, the Knicks won the third pick last year, but they were having a rough season as of when 
play was suspended. So I don't know if that you and I was thinking about that this entire time because Zion Williamson, if you're not familiar, he's like the new LeBron James, the hot ticket this year. And for some reason, even though it's a lottery, the Knicks were like, sure, they were going to get the number one pick and be able to get Zion. There was like pictures of Zion and like a Photoshop Knicks jersey everywhere. Like they were just so excited. And I don't hate the Knicks by any means, but watching all of their fans just be so fucking bummed when they didn't get the first pick was kind of amazing. The problem was the freezer was broken. Oh, that's why. (laughs) Either way. Wherever you land on this conspiracy theory, I feel like the frozen envelope is one for the books. It's like the most credible conspiracy, but again, never proven theory I've ever heard in sports. And I think about it weekly and I'm so glad I got to share it with you this week. (sighs) I miss basketball so much. Me too. It was like such a delight to research this story because I got to watch footage. And then I went down a rabbit hole, like watching Spike Lee taunt Reggie Miller or whatever. It's just so fun and I miss it. And I get why uh, it's not happening right now. But man, man, oh man. It will be back. I will appreciate it so much more when it is. Exactly. We will celebrate. Yeah. But until then, enjoy this story. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Hall of Shame is a product of Crooked Media. This show is produced by Caroline Rustin and Allison Falzetta. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and Stephen Hoffman. Engineering and sound design by Charlotte Landis. Thank you to our video and digital team, Matt DeGroote and Elijah Cohn, and to Sydney Rapp and Brian Semmel for production support every week. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.